Tell me, Commander, have you ever wondered what would happen if you opened a jump point while inside a jump gate? We're all gonna die horrible, painful, lingering deaths. Well, his answer is go, short, to the point, utterly useless and totally consistent with what I've come to expect. Try never to get involved in my own life. Too much trouble. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two friends who have gotten to know each other while rewatching a favorite show of the childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafer. And I'm Laura. And normally I would ask you, who are you? Mm -hmm. Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? But it was just Halloween. This will come out a couple weeks after Halloween. But for us, that was this last weekend slash tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you instead, who were you for Halloween? <laughs> well, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. Surely it came up last year a little bit. But I like to do stuff the whole week before Halloween, right? Last year, I got a little more creative. And I had, you know, like a, a Star Trek day. And I had a pirate day yeah. and I had like a Harry Potter day with all previously purchased Harry Potter items before J.K. Rowling went <laughs> kind of weird on us. But this year I was a little just more like leaning into my Midwesternness and my momness, right. you know, my, my rights as mm -hmm. a Midwestern mom. And I had like a skull sweater that I wore one day and, <laughs> you know, big, I had three or four sets of big ridiculous halloween earrings <laughs> for everyone was one day was skulls one day was pumpkins one day was black cats mm -hmm. and of course like my friday's always the spider day i have ridiculously large blingy spider jewelry that i wear so that was my week before halloween <laughs> <laughs> all right and then we're dressing up for halloween tomorrow even though it's monday because as you know a family with a small child you have to do trick or treat right and our yeah. trick-or-treat here is on Halloween. I don't know if you guys, your neighborhood ever moves trick-or-treat, but... We definitely don't to tonight in my area because it is Devil's Night, which right. I could talk about later, but... Yeah, I've noticed that some places in this, in my particular state, will move Halloween trick-or-treat if it is on Sunday. They will move it to another day. <laughs> yeah. But we're doing trick-or-treat tomorrow, and I'm just going to do a basic witch thing this year. You know, just be very, very basic. And I was putting more mm -hmm. effort into like making sure our house was decorated and getting Halloween treats made for my child. And we had a couple parties starting two weeks ago that we were taking him to. Mm -hmm. But we also have a friend that we've spent every Halloween with for this last couple of years that their middle daughter, her birthday is Halloween. So we always have her oh. birthday party at our house. And then our neighborhood's so big on trick-or-treat, we just hit the street right after we're done celebrating her birthday. So it's always yeah. a really good time. But who were you? So I went to a Halloween party uh, with my girlfriend yesterday, and we wore our Pike and Una outfits from Star Trek Las oh, Vegas. Oh, I've seen those. <laughs> yes. The weekend before, we went to the Theater Bazaar, which is a multi-level art installation thing 
that goes on every year in the city of Detroit. Google it. It's crazy fun. It takes place at the Masonic Temple on like eight <laughs> different floors. Wow. The Masonic Temple in Detroit is the largest Masonic Temple, I believe, in the world, if not the world, North America, for sure. Okay. Wild. It is a huge structure. There's multiple theaters and stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. I They, they were hosting a Judas Priest concert at the same Masonic Temple the same night. Wow. <laughs> I think it was Judas Priest. It might have been it's a band like that. It was like Iron Maiden or something like yeah. there was a concert going on. Something very Halloween appropriate building. too. <laughs> yeah. With several thousand people doing theater bazaar in the same building at the same time with no crossover. Mm-hmm. That's how much space there is in this place. That's wild. So I have a lot of friends who are performers. My LARPing hobby, there's a lot of overlap there. Go figure. So like... The guy who's like the devil at the gates letting everyone in and stuff is a buddy of mine, you know, Mm -hmm. like we knew the conductor of the ghost train (laughs) and all this stuff. And it was, we had a grand old time. Uh, It was good. I ran into a bunch of friends there and yeah, we had, we hung out. We did kind of like Gene Punky for that. Okay. The, most people dress kind of like vaudeville for it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it's got a very like, dust bowl circus kind of vibe going to it if you've ever watched like carnival from hbo or something uh-huh. that would be a thing that would get you in an appropriate mood yeah so we we did that for theater bazaar we did star trek yesterday and then i don't know tomorrow if we do something we'll probably just wear our lower decks uniforms or something yeah so tbd on that i still got no idea what i my old neighborhood had a ton of trick-or-treaters. Oh, and you it. don't know the new neighborhood that well yet. Yeah. I know that my house is very far apart and all the houses on my street are very far apart uh-huh. with very long driveways. And I got to imagine not a lot of people bother over here. Yeah, that's possible. But did you get candy just so, in case? Um, <laughs> I need to go get some candy okay. tomorrow. But you will. Yeah. Um, I, I will if I am planning on being home. Mm-hmm. I might just assume that no one's going to be around, turn off the lights on the outside of the house and go to a friend's neighborhood Yeah, and hang out with them while they hand out candy. Yeah. I am very big on the handing out candy. Uh, I grew up in the country down a dirt road that we were all quite a good distance apart, you know, a few tenths of a mile mm-hmm. apart, the houses. So nobody was walking. Not even the kids who lived on the road walked trick-or-treat there. <laughs> so since I moved to the city... And even when I was had my first house in the city, it wasn't a trick-or-treat neighborhood. We moved to this neighborhood, and it is a big deal over here. So yeah. I buy you know, probably 10 bags of candy, and I hand it all out because <laughs> I'm just so into it. Because I never did it myself as a kid, and I just want to – I want other people to have that. So I'm excited about tomorrow. Cool. I am excited for you. All right. Well, we have – Season three, episode one, Matters of Honor, we're ahead of us. Mm-hmm. I have a thing. I've been, I've been low-key hyping up this thing <laughs> that I have a surprise for you at the start of season three when Marcus shows up. Oh. And now I can't find oh, it no. and I'm bummed out. I, my old house was very close to Detroit Metropolitan Airport. Okay. I think that's part of this. Because there is a sub shop about a mile and a half. It's Vinny's Famous Subs. Uh-huh. And they're like, they've got world headquarters because it's the one place, right? Mm-hmm. Plastered all over the side of the building. And inside of this place, 
there were no less than five autographed eight by tens of the actor who plays Marcus and then a number of autographed action figures as well. Why? (laughs) It's his favorite sub shop, apparently. Oh, that's cute. He, whenever he would come into Detroit for whatever, he stops in and leaves a new 8x10. There's a couple from like throughout his career and stuff. Oh, that's so And they're cool. just all over the place at this restaurant. And I just checked and I haven't... It looks like they remodeled and they didn't put it back up. No. And I'm distraught. <laughs> Me too. Um, but I've been saving that for like a, two years that that, that is at this place. I'm going to go there. I'm just going to drive down there soon. Yeah. And, and ask and them about it, it. Yeah. Yeah. And if they've still got them somewhere... Then I'll come see it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that'd be the thing, too, is if you ever came into town, it's like, it's right next to the airport. Let's go. It's just, it's literally just north of the airport, listener. So check out Vinny's, the subs are good, too. Like, you know, I mean, it's it's a Jersey-style sub in Detroit, so know what you're getting. But, you know, it's a, it's a fun little stop, listener. The one, like, regret I have about all that time I lived in New Orleans, apparently the actor lived in New Orleans, and how come I never huh. ran into him at Whole Foods? Gosh dang it. <laughs> I know people who ran into Nicolas Cage at Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather run into Jason Carter. <laughs> well, we've got uh, season three. It's uh, Oh Shit, It's Marcus. Yay! Is my, my subtitle for the episode. <laughs> but we don't start with that. We start with uh, the station getting repaired from the season finale. Yeah, this is where we're showing off that, hey, we got to upgrade the CGI again. Because yeah, this looks better. Did. It looks sharper. I'm seeing some detail. Mm -hmm. I like it. And it reminds us what happened to Sheridan in the end of season two. Yes. Yeah. Sheridan thanks Kosh for saving him. He asks why he would throw away the secrecy and he gets kind of a non-answer and then a non-answer follow up. And Mm -hmm. Kosh is just being antagonistic at this point. Mm -hmm. He's like, these answers are confusing. He's like, good. I mean, I guess I get it. As a parent, sometimes you just feel that way. (laughs) <laughs> he's essentially humanity's parent right yeah uh, i love that meme that's making the circles right now is i never understood that scene where luke asks yoda so many questions he just dies until <laughs> i was a parent <laughs> yep uh-huh. after this we cut to a space battle with a who we will soon learn is marcus mm-hmm. and Adrazi. yeah escaping a centauri occupied world yeah we were wondering at first what these little we you know couldn't tell what their ships were that they they yeah. turns out they're like centauri drones um, yeah they looked centaur like i knew they were centauri looking at them just because they've got that same kind of like pinkish purplish with the, like sure. the flares sure and they're definitely like not the shadow have. like they're too yeah mechanical to be shadow but yeah they they run mm-hmm. this blockade basically and i the drowsy is killed in the process but Marcus makes yep. it out and sets his course to Babylon 5. And we get that bomb season three opening, y'all. <laughs> I need it's you. so good. I need you to do something for me. I need you to pick yep. your favorite face shot out of here. Because <laughs> if you just <laughs> stare at their faces. That turn they all make. That mm-hmm. They're all doing blue steel from Zoolander. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I think Jakar's <laughs> might be my favorite. No. <laughs> Veers is quite quite funny. Veers is good. Yeah, it's funny. I was reading my normal Usenet posts and stuff, and someone asked JMS, it's all like, is there any significance to everyone's heads turning in the opening theme? Mm-hmm. And he's all like, even I'm not that obtuse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good stuff. This theme is a straight shot of nostalgia right into my veins. 
We come back from theme to find a very, very sweaty Marcus mm-hmm. who will arrive on Babylon 5 in seven hours. He turns off his life support to get a further boost to the engines to make sure he makes it. And then we go to Space TSA, where we get some of Ivanova's trademark optimism. Yeah. Before we meet David and Dowie, who's played by Tucker Smallwood. He's a real that guy. Oh, is he? Do tell. He has oh, like 150 credits on IMDb. He's been wow. in all kinds of stuff. Okay. I personally know him, recognized him from 1995's other sci-fi show that I loved, Space Above and Beyond. Oh, wow. Okay. That ran for one season on Fox, I think. It had a lot more in common with Starship Troopers, mm. the book, not the movie. Yeah. Well, I guess both, <laughs> but it's not satire like the movie was. Mm-hmm. The book was also not if you haven't read it. All right. Well, Ndawi is from Earth Force Intelligence. He requests a private audience with the Captain, Commander, and Delenn to start. That's an interesting choice, huh? It is. Yeah. And it makes sense when we get there. Yes. But when you're first hearing it, you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, intel- an intelligence briefing with Delenn. Right, right. Uh, Marcus arrives on B5, and we get the new Medlab set. Yeah, Medlab 1. One of many new sets this season. One of many new sets. I don't know that it impacted me very much more than the previous set, honestly. I think a lot of the stuff we see in here is going to matter in later episodes. Mm, okay. I know that there's one of the new areas that they added is the like morgue, I guess. There's like a cryostasis sure. area that I think is used mostly as a morgue, mm-hmm. initially at least, that is a very important plot point later. Yeah. The only thing I noticed about it was like, I was like, hmm, seems a little darker, but you know, we're still moving in. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just a calibration thing. Setting up. Yeah. Yeah. They got to figure out how to light all this stuff and everything. That was actually in the uh, series guide. They had some stuff with the director, and that was mostly just the director complaining about getting a ton of new sets for the first time and having to figure out where you can actually put cameras in them Yes. And stuff. Not this episode, but the next one, I noticed some weird camera stuff. Yeah. But, you know, Franklin, when, when they're bringing in our unconscious man, which we know is Marcus, Franklin looks at his clothes and he sees that ranger pen. Do they know mm-hmm. at this point that that's the ranger pen or... Are they, they just know of the Rangers, but they don't know what they, their clothing looks like. I, I can't remember. I, I think just about everyone would know what the Ranger pin is. The only exception might be Franklin. Yeah. As he points out, he's sometimes the last to know stuff. Yeah. So if he didn't at this point, he does by the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Marcus just gets up and vanishes. Yeah. Franklin turns his back for one second mm-hmm. on an in- unconscious person. <laughs> And then we uh, cut over to Morden and Londo talking. Yeah, it's breakup time. I think it is time that we reconsider our relationship. It's breakup time. That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> Here's how you know Morden is there's something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. There's a tray with candy corn out in front of them, and Morden <laughs> is eating it during their conversation. <laughs> so you are in the anti candy corn camp, I take it. Oh, actually, I do enjoy candy corn. <laughs> it's just disgusting. <laughs> I like candy corn and peanuts. Have you ever done that? No, but my roommate has and made a whole big thing of it this year for Halloween. Yeah, I... Has to have a bowl of candy corn and peanuts out in the house. Otherwise, it's not Halloween. I had never done that until a couple of years ago. My coworkers, one of them had a big jar. And I was like, ew, I hate candy mm-hmm. corn. 
And she was like, no, try candy corn and peanuts. And I did. And I was like, oh, my God, this is good. (laughs) (laughs) And now I get candy corn and peanuts every Halloween. (laughs) It's that salty and sweet Mm -hmm. with a crunch. Yep. It's almost like Like a payday. a good thin crust pizza with pineapple on it. (sighs) So you're okay with pineapple and pizza? Oh, Oh, pineapple and pizza is one of the superior topping choices. I am more than okay with pineapple on pizza. Pineapple and jalapeno on pizza, bomb. Mm-hmm. Pineapple black olive, bomb. Pineapple pepperoni onion, bomb. <laughs> All of them. This is probably our most controversial take on this podcast, but I also stand I pepperoni. I very much doubt that. I've said some political things that I'm sure have upset a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know. People feel really, really strongly about this pineapple thing. <laughs> That's fair. And the people who disagree with me politically probably aren't listening to this podcast at this point. Right. They've, they've let it go, but now we're going to alienate another half. <laughs> I wonder how Morden feels about pineapple and pizza, but we'll never know because Londo is breaking it off at this point. B-R-A-K-E, breakup. He, more, uh, Londo, in his breakup attempt here, does agree to one more conversation. Yeah. And I got to say, not ideal. Lando. Never you do want a that. Clean break. Yeah. You never want to do that. No. It's so, so odd to. We, we can tell as the audience because we hear that little interference kind of sound that mm-hmm. the shadows have said something to Morton. And that's why Morton yeah. asks for his, you know, one more conversation. Audience. Yeah. Yeah. But you should never agree to that, Londo. <laughs> Nope, it's always a bad idea. At this point, it doesn't matter, though. Like, Morden has got too much of an in into Centauri life, as we're going to find out. Over in a private room, the intelligence briefing begins, and it's about the shadow ship. Yeah, it's about that last video we got at the very end of the season two ender Mm -hmm. of Warren Keffer's ship watching the shadow ship before it gets destroyed. There's a slight grilling. It's all like, hey, did you authorize these missions? Like, he just sent this buoy out. Like, are, are we mad at you? Because I feel like we're mad at you. And Sheridan's all like, no, we he, we, he, we told him to stop. It cost him his life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you don't disobey orders. That's all true. All very conveniently true. Delenn and Sheridan deny any knowledge of knowing what this ship is. Yeah, Delenn's denial is, is very carefully worded. Did you catch that? It is. <laughs> yeah. She's never seen one of these before. She knows what it is, Mm -hmm. but she's never seen one. Never seen one before. I didn't lie. Mm -hmm. Mimbari don't lie. Right. Except next episode. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, as soon as Ndawi leaves uh, with Ivanova, they just confirm what we have an audience have already known. This is a shadow ship. They're bad news. Mm Mm-hmm. This is bad news, Bearstown. We're not happy. Yeah. After this, Lanier finds Delenn and brings her to Marcus. Yes. Marcus is uh, hanging out in the shady bar, perhaps the one that Garibaldi was drinking at sometime in the previous Same season. Same set, for sure. Yeah. Not the TKO bar, but a different one. Right. The, the, the one that he was about to relapse in, I think, or did relapse in. I think in. he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the episode with the, yeah, his not daughter. Yes. Before all that, though, Ndawi finds Londo and talks to him, and Londo tells him about his vision from season two with all the shadow ships flying overhead. Yeah, this must have been very confusing for Ndawi. Do you think he knows that Centauri have prophetic dreams? (laughs) I feel like if you are a high-ranking Earth Force intelligence agent 
who is sent to Babylon 5 and you don't know something about the Centauri having prophetic dreams. Mm-hmm. Like you're if you're if you are being sent to interview ambassadors to collect information about a new mm-hmm, mm-hmm. galaxy-wide superpower and you don't know a little bit about everyone that you're going to be talking to, you have failed. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully he, has he to know does. Have prophetic dreams. Yeah, but it, that still doesn't help him much. That tells him about the future. It doesn't tell him about the present. Yeah. And even Londo's like, I don't know what they are, because that's a plot point later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't know what they are, but he's definitely seen this in a dream. So anyways, down in that bar, we meet the radiant ball of energy known as Marcus. Yeah. Who's just whole dead heart and no miracles bit. <laughs> this really just drives home how sad he is, I guess. Yeah. Is that what they're going for? <laughs> Tragic backstory. Moody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we attempted the handsome young pilot character last season, right? With yeah. with Keffer. And we decided to to trade up a little bit for the more moody, handsome, long-haired gentleman. So when this episode was filmed, the decision hadn't been finalized that Marcus was going to be a series regular. Okay. Now, obviously, by the time they put the theme in, it had been. Right, because he gets his turn. they don't turn. usually do the theme until four or five episodes in. That's why most sure. of the clips usually come from that set of episodes. And so there's actually a line at the end as well about whatever ranger is on the station will be on the council. Mm. So they might have not had long-term plans at this point. They just kind of wanted to establish him as a ranger. Mm-hmm. And then he hit it off so well with the cast and they came up with good ideas for him. So he just became the guy. Yeah. But it's pretty clear that they didn't know what they were doing with him quite yet. Yeah. JMS was not 100% sure what his role was going to be when he wrote this stuff compared to even later in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. When we get his actual tragic backstory. Yeah. So they they talk him for a minute in the bar and then mm-hmm. they decide they need to go leave. And so we get to establish also we've had some tragic backstory. Now we're going to establish his fighting credentials. Yes, which are quickly set as he opens up a can of whoop-ass. I mean, he could have just let Lanier handle it. We've seen Lanier do his spin kicks. Yeah. Well, Lanier gets in there, too, and Mm -hmm. even Delenn. For sure. Like, he pulls out his staff, beats the crap out of someone with it, and then tosses it to Delenn (laughs) because he doesn't need it. Yeah. (laughs) She's going to defend herself with this awkward weapon that is not sized for her that we don't know if she's ever used before. But sure, okay. (laughs) So yeah, they mop the floor with everybody that's trying to rob them. Yeah, it is an embarrassment for these thugs. Indeed, indeed. There were lots of really bad guy haircuts in that bar and then in this (laughs) fight scene. (laughs) Like the 90s had a way of signaling who's the bad guy, and it's Mm -hmm. with hair. Are they kind of bald? (laughs) Is there a ponytail? <laughs> what about a mullet? How? Oh, mullets for sure. How greasy is it? Oh, the greasiest. Yeah, yeah. Like, remember Marcus earlier in the episode? Greasier. <laughs> we get a bit uh, where Sheridan goes to bring Ivanova up to speed on stuff, and she just recounts everything to him mm-hmm. that he was about to tell her. So good. Yeah. It's like... When something happens on the station and I don't know about it, that's when you worry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it 
it serves two functions and then it makes Ivanova, it reminds us what a badass she is and also reminds us about what happened in season two. Yeah. yeah she's not here for Sheridan's captain splaining. No, and neither should you. So we get all of them. We have Delenn, Lanier, Marcus, Garibaldi, Sheridan, and Ivanova mm-hmm. in this room. And Marcus explains what the whole deal is, where he was coming from. Yep. It's a Drazi world that the Centauri recently took and aren't letting the Rangers off of. It's blockaded. Right. And they want to get all the Rangers off this fucking planet before bad news comes for them. Yeah. The the Centauri are not letting anyone out. I think it's really interesting why, as we see later in Morden's request, this, Mm -hmm. this this planet may have been targeted in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, Sheridan's not going to have any of that. No. He looks to Delenn and crew and says, we're going to be Chip and Dale. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering where you were going in the first half, and then I was totally there. Sold Uh, in the second. Ah, rescue those rangers. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. Morden meets up with Londo to continue their breakup conversation. Yeah. <laughs> he shows Londo a map of the city and he's like, look, you can door dash from over here, but I don't want to see you at any of these restaurants. I, like it's the terms of our breakup. This stuff is mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can hang out over here in this quarter of the city and we'll be okay if you stay there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. All of the standard breakup stuff. Yeah. And Morton kind of makes it clear that, by the way, I'm still talking to your friends. Yeah. He's like, oh, there's this planet over here, by the way, that is in your area, but I'm also taking it because they've got the best Thai food. So you just have to deal with that. But you don't have to worry about giving it to me. I already had Rifa take it. Mm-hmm. And Lando's like, Rifa, what madness is this? We always get there. Yep. Uh, yeah, Morton's been calling Londo's buddies behind his back. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, him and Londo are done, so, mm-hmm. you know. I mean. Player's gonna play, I guess. <laughs> I really can't sell that with conviction. <laughs> you tried. You know. Yeah. Londo also, <laughs> you know, he, he's a little, you know, you can tell he's horrified that Morton has made this contact with Rifa. And that this won't be the end of it. He was hoping that by cutting off Mr. Morden, he was going to save the Centauri people from being further involved with these shadows that he knows very little about. But that ship seems to have sailed. And he asks if he can see one of their ships. (laughs) Yeah, just like, I'm just curious, like, like, there's nothing going on, right? Like, your ships are normal ships, right? Like, if they were normal ships, you tell me. Yeah, you tell me, you tell me. I'd know. But like, just in case, I just want to see one. Just, just, just got to know. Just, like, this is the thing. You know, like, it's not a big deal. This is just a ship. You know, like that. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> I need to drink water after I do that. Go for it. And, of course, Morden is not going to just let him do this, right? Or, you know, let him see these yeah. ships. He's He deflects and says, you know. Stay away from Zagros 7, and uh, I'll be seeing you. <laughs> oh, yeah, and don't don't go there, because we're going to totally just wreck that fucking planet. Like, 
Yeah. You're not going to want to see it when we're done. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to some sweeping shots of spaceship porn. Yay. The white star. It's so pretty. It is pretty. It's very. It's a pretty ship. You know, it. it's sort of Minbari, but not really, because we've seen the Minbari like big warships and they, they're very angelfish, right? Mm -hmm. They look like big space angelfish. Uh, big jellyfish, yeah. Yeah. And then the white star, if I had to put a fish on it, which you can't really, it's more like a rubber chicken almost. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it, it would be like a beta fish with its fins not all the way puffed out. You know, he's got his fins back. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a bird almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, honestly, like, if you were to paint it green, it'd look like a Romulan ship from Star Trek. Mm, it could, yeah, okay. I mean, it is kind of, it's got some green undertones to it, but it's mostly purple. Yeah, it's mostly blue and purple. The show loves blue and purple. Which is fine. It's a very spacey palette. So they've they've flown yeah. off to rendezvous with this mystery ship that mm -hmm. is intentionally designed not to look like any one race's sort of ship, right? Yes. Yes, that's an important plot point for later. They give us some lip service on it that the ship is technologically distinct. Even like if you were to like look at the engines and stuff, like it it the way the entire ship operates is different. Yeah. than any other species active military vessels. It is supposed to be very hard to identify by just watching its operation, scanning the area around it, etc. We're trying to confuse the shadows. If the shadows were yes. to take this ship, we don't want them to know who it belonged to. And when they see exactly. this ship, we don't want them to know who it belonged to. And we call it the White Star. Man, well, I love this ship, mm -hmm. right? That's not what this is about, this regret that I have in my voice right now. Mm -hmm. This regret in my voice is because of Elon Musk. And not because of Twitter. <laughs> it's like <laughs> um, there's a lot to regret with thing. Elon Musk. Why don't you elaborate? When he so Tesla Motors existed before Elon Musk bought it. Sure. And their original models of cars mm -hmm. were all color star mm -hmm. before he took it and made it the Model S or whatever, all that stuff, right? So Lame. originally there was going to be a $30,000 model called the White Star. And I absolutely would have bought it. <laughs> I had, I was pre-ordered. Oh. Like I had gotten on a wait list, like in my twenties for this car mm -hmm. um, before they were taking money and doing, they completely changed the system. They scrapped everything. Like I got, it was just like, I was ignored completely, no. but I was very excited for the White Star. I totally wanted one of those cars. Yeah just for the name also like they were doing cool electric car stuff before right. anyone so i'm all like oh this is sweet but i'm so disappointed i never got my white star let's hope that you know somebody somewhere at tesla someday decides to bring yeah. these back as like the retro thing i think that'd be great well this is a going on garibaldi sets and dowie up with jakar mm -hmm. for a unofficial talk about the ship extremely unofficial yeah, and uh, Jakar shows Ndawi passages of the Book of Jaquan that deal with the shadow ships mm -hmm. and notes that this is, you know, their history. This is from a thousand years ago when they arrived on the Nar Narn homeworld and set up shop on the one of the southern continents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this was interesting for me considering the context of the book we just read for Book Club. You know, yeah. when we talked about that the reveal that the Vorlons are the ones who came to Earth and set the mm -hmm. telepath gene in motion. If the shadows were on the Narn homeworld, Vorlons were going there to set up telepaths. 
yeah. the shadows are already there. And so we, we've already had that lore way back in, you know, the first episode that Narns don't have yeah. telepaths. They want telepaths, but they don't have telepaths. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's because of this right here in the book of Jaquan, but they don't even know it. Yeah. They have no idea that because these shadows were here, the Vorlons didn't come and set that evolution in motion. Set up shop, yeah. You know, he shows these things to Endowee, and we can tell, obviously, from the picture that this mm-hmm. is a shadow ship. Oh, it's very clearly, yeah. Endowee's skeptical because he says, well, why would they just go away for a thousand years? But Jakar is very, you know, to everything there is a season. <laughs> <laughs> and per- turn, turn, turn. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you get it. And you know, maybe, maybe this is their season. Maybe this is their time now, which is, you know, not a great answer. And of course, Endowee is looking no. for hard facts. He's not looking for people's dreams and people's old books, but he should be. <laughs> we cut over to the White Star ship, and we get some stuff about Marcus joining the Rangers because of his brother, who is also a Ranger and is dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This whole backstory Real sad story stuff. Kind of feeble for me. <laughs> There's not a lot. It's like, oh, well, my brother was a ranger. He was a ranger for six months, mm-hmm. completed his training, came to warn me of attack, and then died in aforementioned attack when I ignored him about the attack. Yeah. I'm just like, so why didn't you die in the... Like, there's so many things wrong with this. Like, yeah. the timing. He was a ranger for six months, and that made him privy to... Like, he's still in training. They train for forever. That's one of the reasons why they need, you know, all of these training camps spread throughout the galaxy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we even see ranger training later, and it is longer than six months. <laughs> and we've been specifically told that, like, the shadows are laying low, and mm-hmm. they're just, they're just happened to Attacking be an attack. some random mining colony. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I wouldn't feel in it. It wasn't working for me. It does not vibe. But the White Star arrives and makes quick work of the Centauri blockade drones. They take out a handful of them real quick uh, when we see a, a shadow ship. And then, uh, yeah, they uh, they kind of fight the shadow ship a little. They outmaneuver it. They realize that the shadow ship is trying to disable them and not kill them to identify it. Yeah, which, good call on the weird ship, guys. <laughs> yeah. And they take off into hyperspace to try to outrun this yep. and, and figure out a plan. Because they know they won't outrun it ultimately yeah and they can't outfight it there's only one thing i don't like about the white star jiffy yeah. and it is that the consoles all look like they're wrapped in intestine <laughs> on the top like it's a weird the, choice <laughs> it looked like chunks of leftover vorlon encounter suits to me oh yeah maybe that's it aaron was like well maybe it's going for like a mimbari head bone kind of thing and i'm just like no man it just looks like intestines (laughs) like a long intestine Mm -hmm. yeah or the what is it the large intestine that's it sorry yeah they look weird yeah not a big fan but and i don't know that it, that sticks around either. I don't remember those. Yeah. So I don't know if it's something that they changed real quick or what. Stay tuned for White we'll Star find out Watch. As we watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're trying to outrun this in hyperspace. They've gotten the mm-hmm. other ships away, the colony ships, and people are bemoaning that this is impossible to destroy a shadow ship. And of course, Sheridan mm-hmm. reminds us to never tell him that it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Never tell Sheridan the odds. Yeah. And he's like, what if we opened a jump gate 
inside of just like we inside of a hyperspace jump gate. Mm-hmm. They specifically didn't use their ability to open a yeah. jump gate as a small ship because they didn't want the shadows to know. They used the mm-hmm. regular jump gate. Now, what if we use this special technology to open a jump gate inside a regular jump gate? Yeah. This made a lot of people angry and was widely regarded as a bad move. <laughs> they talk about how they tried tr- doing this as a tactic during the, uh, like they tested it as a tactic during the Earth Mimbari War. <laughs> and it was so destructive to everything in the area that they called it the bonehead maneuver <laughs> because you'd have to not have a brain to try it. Ivanova realizes what she said and immediately apologizes for her blatant racism. <laughs> It's not usually Ivanova that pulls these. It's usually a Garibaldi thing. For sure. I guess he's well, not I mean, there. It, it is something that is like a cultural word for us. True. Independent of encounter. It, it, I mean, I'm sure the military took it and made it a slur, as yeah. we've seen happen with countless other normal words in our lexicon right. when we're in a war with someone. But it does exist independent of that. And I don't think that was the goal. Yeah. But, you know, Ivanova gives an apology to Lanier and Lear's all like Lanier's just like, well, of course I wouldn't take offense to this. <laughs> I have no cultural background understanding to know why that would be offensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody has done that wiki search, it's probably Lanier. He's read all of the That's wiki, true. but they decide they're going to go ahead and give this a shot. And they go out yep. to sector 45. Shout out to the dead bar cabs. Yep. Sheridan notes that this will stop all of the people who are grave robbing the Markab homeworld. As it is now deserted. While saving everybody's life, he's also feeling righteous about something. So Yeah. The shadow ship, they, they pull out this maneuver, they leave the jump gate, the shadow ship follows right behind. They open a jump gate inside the jump gate. Yeah. And uh, the shadow ship gets kind of pulled in. And then we get two Star Trek classics as the White Star escapes. Uh-huh. We get everyone throwing themselves around the bridge while the camera shakes. Yeah. <laughs> and we get random CGI slash drawn on blue lightning on the consoles. Oh, my God. This was this was not the most flattering moment of this episode for, you know, nope. the technical team. <laughs> They're lucky it was only Clutch, a few though. seconds. I loved it. <laughs> oh, classic. Like call back to everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. I could see Worf getting electrocuted as it all went down. Yeah, yeah. They get back to B5, and Ndawi is waiting for them. Like, uh, so, what the fuck were you guys up to? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he noticed that he was being escorted around by only Garibaldi. And yeah. Garibaldi gave him some runaround on it. But Ndawi mm-hmm. tries to call them out. Um, they cover with, they were helping the Minbari with a very sensitive, embarrassing yeah. sort of mission. Yeah, we just wanted to save our friends from embarrassment. Mm-hmm. He's just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Not noticing Delenn and Lanier literally walking in right behind them. Yeah, yeah. After this, we cut to Earth Dome. Yeah. And a senator is talking to Ndawi about his report. And then when Ndawi leaves, Morden and a Psycop walk in. And they're yeah. just fucking scheming. Oh, this is so sinister. You know, and Dowie They're tells her scheming. And Dowie tells her that, you know, he heard rumors, but no one has seen this thing. No one knows exactly what it is. And of course, Morden 
when he is revealed is is pleased with that. It's really sinister to see Morden and the Psychops talking because we know from reading this book in mm-hmm. book club that uh, the telepaths were supposed to be a weapon against the shadows. <laughs> if Mr. Morden is parlaying with what was supposed to be a great weapon, that seems bad. It does. And honestly, it makes me wonder, like, what gets passed on to Bester in book two? Mm-hmm. Does Bester know that? Does he get told that story from from Grandpappy? I mean, I like, can't wait to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know, because then that's going to make us wonder about some of Bester's motivations throughout the mm-hmm. series. But yeah, the the Psychops want to use this image of the shadow ship hmm. to kind of foment some of that anti-alien sentiment back home that xenophobia yep. Ooh, there's something out there it's gonna come for us mm-hmm. join night watch yeah basically and mr morton is not uh opposed he just wants to know what the ideas are and of course we cut away before we find out but um back on babylon 5 we get the creation of the war council yep we get some notes it's senior staff a ranger delenn and hopefully some others soon Mm-hmm. And they lay everything out, like everyone gets on the same page finally. Yeah, poor Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we cut away as Delenn is telling the great story. Yep. And that is the episode. What'd you think of this one? On a scale of Babylon, one to five. Mm, I guess for me, this one is a three. I feel weird about saying that for our season opener, but it's for me, it's very mm-hmm. average. We get... Great stuff like the White Star. Love it. Love the White Star. Mm-hmm. Gonna use it a lot. The stuff at the very end in Earth Dome, very intriguing. I want to know more yeah. about all of the backroom things that are happening. And, you know, after reading Dark Genesis, we saw a lot of dark dealings among senators in there, or, you know, very backroom dealings, very not above board things. And I want some more of that from the show. That would be fun. It's just hard to do that when our main characters are all on Babylon 5, right? Yeah. But, you know, then there's the stuff for me that was like, Marcus's backstory was, meh. Yeah. It just, for me, was kind of an average opener. You know, maybe it's coming down off the big season ender. I don't know. But for me, it wasn't fantastic. I really like this episode. Yeah. If anything, I think this episode provides the kind of thesis statement on how the galaxy has hope. Yeah, okay. Uh, Because we see Vorlon technology, Mimbari skill, and human tactics and ingenuity come together to solve an impossible problem. Yeah, okay. And that is the only chance they have. Mm -hmm. They, They know this. They know that they are completely outmatched in every regard. Yeah, for sure. That they are doomed to fail in the coming conflict like it is terrible and if they do win it is going to cost more than they can imagine yeah and that's the genesis of the rangers too isn't it Mm -hmm. so it's showing that these cultures that are so different when these differences are set aside and working cooperatively can do amazing things they can do the impossible Mm -hmm. and it gives everyone hope for the future yeah So that's why I'm giving it a Babylon 4 out of 5. Okay. I'll buy it. All right. Well, what do we have coming up for next time? 
we have season three, episode two, Convictions. A series of bombings on Babylon 5 triggers an extensive investigation involving some new residents. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember some of that in the episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes it's weird to see once, you know, we read these descriptions to our listeners Mm -hmm. and then we go watch the episode, the things that were chosen to highlight in the description. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe not necessarily the most important parts, but oh well. Yeah, I mean, there is an extensive investigation and it does involve some new residents. Uh-huh. But the implication there is that the new residents are being investigated. Right. When the reality is, is they are doing the investigating. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a weird wording choice, but it's a good episode nevertheless. Mm-hmm. I'm looking um, forward to it's, it. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that we're to the point in the show where a majority of our episodes are going to be heavy. Yeah. We're going to get some light things, I think, because the show always has light moments at least. But there's a lot of heavy content coming up. Season three, very, very heavy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. and Me too. Uh, I really appreciate all of our listeners being here today. You're all fantastic. Mm-hmm. We love talking to you and hearing from you in the community. Um, thanks for joining us after our little break. Yeah, thanks for coming back. It's good to have you. Uh, I'd like to thank Jeremy Siegel. For our lovely theme music, you can find more of his work at jeremysegal42.bandcamp.com. And thank you very much to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. And go ahead and hit us up on social media. As of today, we still have a Twitter, but I don't know that Twitter's going to exist in 48 hours. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But we've got a Facebook and most of our correspondence digitally truthfully happens on our discord anyways Mm -hmm. so shoot us an email at whoareub5 at gmail.com and we'll hook you up with that discord link and you can join the conversation with our community there and it always feel free to let us know your thoughts to that email as well always appreciate it for our mailbag segments have a great one internet thank you bye-bye bye